You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thank you so much for staying with us this morning. I'm Emily Lida. And I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. We've been having an excellent morning. Before we head into our next segment, we want to invite you to visit our website. It's realpresenceradio.com for even more great content. There you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed uh, any one of the daily shows. Uh, You can also submit prayer intentions, nominate your favorite priest for donuts. Mm, donuts. You know what I think should happen? Somebody needs to nominate Father Scott Trainer, who just so happens to be in our office so that therefore we can also partake Especially nominate him in the next five weeks when he's not here so we get all the donuts. So we get all the donuts. donuts. That's terrible, but a really good idea. I like the way you're thinking. So be sure to Check that out, realpresenceradio.com for more great shows, Uh, especially this morning. We've had some fabulous conversations. Two great conversations. Bishop Donald DeGroote, Father James Mason. And now, on to the guest of honor. Betty Cleanup. The one, the only, Tony Tony Mankey. (sighs) And the crowd goes wild. Morning, Tony. Good morning. You need to get on our level. Come on. <laughs> it's going to be tough to get up to that level. <laughs> Tony, you are the regional director for Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Um, maybe we'll start by kind of talking to you about that role. And then we also, we've been talking this morning just about uh, kind of different levels of suffering um, and of conforming ourselves to Christ uh, in various ways. And so we we'll want to talk with you a little bit about that as well. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, and and your kind of current work with Focus. Absolutely. Yeah, so I am originally from St. Paul, Minnesota, or just outside Ooh. of downtown St. Paul. And kind of a lot of Minnesotans yes, today. You, yes, we are. It's, I'll, I'll, it's so far, plan. you're the only non-Minnesotan to be on the show so far this morning. But I went to school in Minnesota. <laughs> Does that count as something? There you go. And we went to the same school, uh, yeah. the University of St. Thomas. And then I met my wife, and we... I uh, moved to South Dakota and have basically been there all but one year since. Um, so my, I'm married to Carrie, who's wonderful and lovely and helps me to better myself each day. Amen. And then I have four kids, uh, ranging from ages six and a half to nine months. Um, and you left live on the best street in, in, in Sioux Falls. <laughs> and I happen to be neighbors with Bergwald. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dr. Dr. Bergwald. Dr. Show. Bergwald. <laughs> Okay, so you you said you grew up in Minnesota. Um, now you work as a Catholic missionary. What yes. was your what was your upbringing? What was your Catholic upbringing like? Yeah, I I was very fortunate enough to grow up in my Catholic faith, and it was something that was very significant. I have very vivid memories of extended family rosary and a mm. lot of different beautiful traditions and devotions. Can I just write? Is, Extended family rosary. What do you mean by that? Like great grandma down. Really? Together? Yes. So it wasn't wasn't Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it wasn't. It was usually more. Rosary was always an important part of the family. Um, And then every now and then we would get everyone together. Everybody together. together. So that was normal. Yeah, it was just one of those things that it was a a treat to get everyone great grandma down. Um, And I, I vividly remember. Uh, most of the time it was my grandma and her siblings that got the the mysteries. 
But one time it became the, it was the fifth mystery. And my great grandma was like, Tony, why don't Ooh. you do this? And so since then, I've always wanted the fifth mystery of wow. my family's Seriously. Because I was like, that was one that's beautiful. great yeah. grandma. That, that's actually, I mean, it's, that's, that's actually really beautiful. I mean, it's yeah. imprinted in your mind. How old were you? When? I must have been, uh, I mean, this probably was somewhere around eight to 10, somewhere around there. Okay. Young. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, some really vivid memories. And so that kind of created the foundation of like very traditional devotion. You know, Mary was important, the rosary and, and a lot of pieces like that. And then uh, in college, I kind of got lost in mm. all the empty promises the world gives you that are very present in college. And I had a reversion in which I was able to tap into that foundational piece that I grew up with and really develop a relationship on top of that with God. And that led me to a desire to be involved in ministry um, and evangelization. I just felt like, hey, he had, he had done so much for me and I wanted to give others the opportunity to receive, to, to recognize that. And so I did a number of things as I was trying to figure out what would I do. Um, and when I met my wife, Carrie, she was in, at a college, uh, Minnesota State Mankato, in which they had focused and they came in her sophomore year. And I saw the way they did things impacted her. And it really lined up to the way that I saw my desires for evangelization. Um, and I didn't join immediately, but later on, uh, God brought me there. Uh, and it's been eight years now. Can you talk a little bit about that reversion experience? What what happened? What was the thing that kind of captivated your heart uh, in that? Yeah, I, I, I drifted slowly away from my faith to a point where I really wasn't aware of it. And I was moving towards this desire for affirmation was kind of the key piece of mm. I wanted people to like me. I wanted as many friends. I wanted to be the guy that walked to class and said hi to 12 people uh, and all that. And that drifted away from a lot of my faith and a lot of those friends that were really important to me that were grounded in their faith mm. and <clears throat> towards kind of just the general. So it ended up in the party scene and all that. And the, the catalyst to that change ended up being an, an injury that I sustained. So one of those points of affirmation was sports. I happened to be decent at sports and I had an opportunity to play my freshman year in college. And I tore my ACL my sophomore year. And that immediately took away one of those priority pieces that opened my eyes to the emptiness that I was pursuing yeah. and how the time and so it took it took a while of uh growth and um a lot of people were influential in that that helped me to open my eyes to the times where i felt loved and i felt um the joy that i was seeking was back when i was a kid and those moments mm -hmm. with the extended family rosary and, and when faith was the center of my life and so i knew that's where i needed to move towards and it took a while to get there. I'm very thankful that that happened. You mm -hmm. talked about um, developing a relationship with Jesus. Was that something that you had already had and you sort of went back to him? Or was that a new piece for your faith uh, growing up? Your, your story reminds me a lot of my own, but I, I don't know that I... I didn't really have much of a relationship with Jesus. I did, we did, I did the faith thing, if you will, because that's what we did. Mm -hmm. The relationship piece was new or came later. What about you? That's the same with me. So I think it was clear that my faith was the truth, but that personal relationship side, um, I didn't grasp until later. I didn't grasp until I saw the specific need in my life and I was open to the ways 
that I was falling short mm. um, and missing that. And so that came from, you know, I was involved in college with St. Paul's Outreach and they helped me to kind of see that relationship and the impact it can have in my life and, and what I was missing. Um, so I knew the truth. I just didn't know the relationship that helped me live out that truth in an intan- like a tangible way. And that's, that was what happened in college. And that realization came from that. Okay. Mm. So what do you do with uh, Focus now? What's, what's your job entail? Yep. So my job entails, I get an opportunity to work with eight campuses. Uh, so three in North Dakota, three East River, South Dakota, and two in Nebraska. Um, and I get to just work with the missionaries, make sure they feel supported, make sure I can help in removing obstacles with that. Uh, communication with chaplains to help them through any questions or ways that I can help support them. Uh, and then I do a number of things with hiring, placements, expansion, um, to new campuses, uh, just kind of the whole gamut. But my main priority is the eight campuses that I serve. Hmm. Do you think you love college students because that's when you encountered Christ in a more tangible, profound way? Absolutely. I think that's the, the piece that draws me the most. Uh, and then I'm also just convicted that it's it's such a crucial point mm-hmm. in uh, anyone's life of this moment where you're stepping away from your family, making decisions oftentimes for the first time on yeah. your own. Uh, and you just develop a lot of habits, a lot of, you, you set a trajectory more often than not in college that you end up moving towards yep. for the remainder of your life. And so the, the, the influential point that that is and the opportunity, so many college students in some way, shape, or form is searching for that yeah. truth, searching for that joy. Uh, that, and they're all there. And even though they think they're busy, they're not as busy as they will be once they move on college. And it gives us that avenue and place to be able to share the faith. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the biggest, maybe compared to um, not that long ago, but several years ago when you were in college, what's the biggest challenge that you're seeing, your missionaries are seeing college students today facing? If you can boil it down to one. <laughs> I think the biggest challenge today it's probably the isolation. I think isolation, for many reasons, whether it's social media or, or the number of different things uh, that leads to it, is more significant today than ever before. Mm. And I think that's drawing people to this realization of, I desire to be loved. Uh, and there's not even those, like, those uh, maybe false promises of ways that they might receive that those are even being removed from them because we're just we're, we're a culture of isolation and individualism and it's on you and you can't rely on others and all of that i think is more prevalent now than even 15 years ago uh that is drawing them it's opening their eyes oftentimes to an opportunity to receive the gospel which is beautiful uh but yeah there's just such a need that seems a lot more than ever before. And what are, is there anything that you can think of that how ways that we who are not in college anymore can help whether we're in our late 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and up? That's a good question. I I think that continuing to help them see that they need to bring God into that and into that suffering and into that loneliness and and opening their eyes to his presence any way that we can help them to do that and shift their mindset in that way is super important. 
So um, we're coming up to a, a short break here, but afterwards, um, just want to talk about some of the, the, the challenges, the suffering, to be honest, that your own family has dealt with and, and how your faith, what your faith has, the difference it's made for you then. So we'll talk about that after the break. Um, I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Emily Lita. And we are visiting this morning on Real Presence Live with Tony Mankey. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Mayo Pharmacy in Bismarck is a faith-based pharmacy committed to delivering excellent care. We're pro-life and pro-family, respecting the dignity of the human person while providing for your individual needs. We have Catholic gifts for all ages, from mystic monk coffee to cards and crucifixes. Plus, we offer a wide range of clinical services, including rapid influenza testing and diabetes care management. You can visit us at 303 North 4th Street to discover the Mayo difference. Our number is 701-223-2424. In today's crowded higher education field, there's one university whose quality and personal care stands out from the crowd, the University of Mary. The University of Mary offers truly affordable, flexible adult education because your success is our priority. Here, you matter, and we're with you every step of the way to make sure you succeed. Choose a university community that cares about you as a student for life. Discover us at online.umary.edu slash discovermary. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo, parishioner of Saints Anne and Joachim Church in Fargo. I'm excited to share with you the launch of Lumen Vision, providing eye care for the whole family, including eye emergencies, vision therapy, and routine exams. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Eyes of Faith, a frame company that prints scripture verses on the inside of each frame. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Emily Leadham. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And we are having a wonderful conversation with Tony Mankey, uh, per- primarily so far about his work with FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Uh, Tony, you're a regional director for... Do you have a, do you have a region? Like, are, we're Region 8 on the, in diocesan talk. Do you have a region number? No. Do you have a region just, name? Do you have a region name? Awesome. Uh, region awesome? No, it's... Just Menke region. If the Menke region. That's pretty hardcore. If I need to, it's if I need to, after you. no yeah. one recognizes wow. it but me. So was it? <laughs> was it named that before you moved into the position? Is that why you took the job? Because the, the, it was called. They were like, Mankey this region? is the Menke region. This, this is we for should, you. Yeah. This uh, is for I mean, I would have yeah. <laughs> probably a lot sooner if I knew that that was going to be the case. Uh, but no, it's more short term. The we divided into like the west, north, east, and south, and so I'm part of the west area. 
and then it's just we divide it into regions for got it yeah. got it so tony right before the break um you said something really profound that uh chris i think you asked what's the greatest challenge that you're seeing among college students and you said you know even the allures of the world um, are not offering college students this promise or this, you know, feeling of consolation. And, the, and really at the heart of that is this deep isolation that many people are experiencing. And I think that isolation is really hand in hand with immense suffering because we're made to be in relationship. We're made to be in communion with other people. So in the second half of, of our, our time together today, we really wanted to just dive into uh, the conversation of suffering. Don't turn the channel, friends. I promise it's not going to be a downer. Uh, because you, Tony, have an, an incredible way of speaking about suffering with a great amount of joy and uh, beauty. So can you tell us a little bit of your story in regard to suffering and why it's kind of a, uh, a topic maybe close to your heart? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say suffering has always been a significant part of my life uh, and my faith journey in particular. I think that when I was younger, I went through uh, a number of deaths in my family, um, specifically my dad's death when I was nine, that really helped me to see that my faith was the truth. And I'm really appreciative to that because I, I don't believe uh, we would have survived without our faith. Wow. I just think uh, the amount of stuff that was going on and my mom being widowed with three kids and the amazing human she is without our faith and without seeing God's presence, I just don't know how that would have turned out without it. And so that is a piece of my life that's important because that allowed me to see this is true. This has to be because nothing else makes sense without it. Later on, I, I talked about my injury. And so that helped me in my reversion and the suffering that kind of came from that. And then in my family life, it's been a significant part because uh, roughly about three years ago, my son was diagnosed with a, uh, a he was diagnosed with spinal muscular dystrophy, uh, which is a muscle degenerative disease uh, that greatly impacts his life. And, and at that point, it was, it was a pretty surprising moment that led to suffering. Uh, but the way that that then shaped our family and helped us to embrace suffering and understand the meaning behind it and the role it plays within our lives has played significant dividends and, and the amount of grace that's come from it uh, is so significant that I couldn't imagine it without it. Uh, and in some way, though it's hard, I'm thankful for that opportunity to, to invite God in deeper into our family. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's played a big part. So you just said, with talking about the suffering, I can't, can't imagine my life without it. And people might be listening who maybe haven't experienced the sort of suffering that you have, but can imagine it. Or maybe they have experienced it and they're like, that's not, I would never say I can't imagine my life without it. I wish that I didn't experience my life or experience this as part of my life. Can you say more why you speak the way you do about it? Absolutely. I, I you know, it's scriptural in which God uh, when, you know, St. Paul talks about how uh, God's power is made manifest within our weaknesses, yeah. within our sufferings. And that's truly real in that in those moments of sufferings and weaknesses uh, are the most significant moments in my life that I've seen God's presence, that I've seen him working, <clears throat> that I've seen uh, the love that he gives and the ways that he 
brings good out of that. Whether that's when I was a kid, um, my mom remarrying a few years later to a man that's uh, a role model as far as how to be a father and a husband to me. Uh, and is is play, played a significant part in my life and that blessing there, or watching my son with his disease literally evangelize uh, as a six year old adults me. adults <laughs> yeah. yeah he's he's yeah. An, an unbelievable witness in the way that he understands his identity as a son of God in a profound way for a six year old and doesn't allow his disease to to bring him down for long. Uh, I think that was always my fear of like, man, it's going to be hard to help him understand why he's different. Uh, but the way that he's handled it overall has been eye-opening to me and helped me to grow in my faith, which is such a blessing uh, that I would never want to give that back. Wow. Yeah, I this maybe isn't a fair question because I don't want you to compare Xavier to the rest of your children, but... I'm going to ask you anyways. Do you do you see just a level of depth and capacity in him because of the suffering that he's experienced that's unique to him? I think so. I think it's hard to know exactly the impact that's had as opposed to just personality, personality yeah. being the oldest yep. and all that comes with that. Um, but there seems to be – there is – for example, he played baseball this uh, this summer, which was a huge gift to kind of watch him play. And even though he's slower and weaker, he was able to compete, which was beautiful. But he had an awareness where he was in the pitcher position during uh, practice, and he was encouraging the batter when he was struggling to hit. And he was giving him thumbs up and wishing him well and, and everything. And I was looking at the other players and they're kind of lost in their own worlds. And, you know, and this is what I did and I played with the sand or whatever it yeah. might be. He is, he is mm. able to see the world in a way as a six-year-old that I struggled as a teenager um, to be able to say, man, he's struggling. I want to help because I know what that discouragement might mm. looks like. And I want to make sure he doesn't have to face that alone. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is unique to the fact that he's had to go through it at such an early age that has led him to be such a witness to me and to those around him. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. So with that, though, I, maybe not kids, but I think oftentimes when we encounter suffering, it's easy really to turn inward and focus on that. So looking to you and your wife, Carrie, now, I think... Um, one of the hardest things, and you've had to do it in a way that, that my, my wife and I haven't, um, but to watch somebody you love, especially a child, suffer. So how have the two of you, you, you and your wife, um, sort of carried this suffering, uh, watching your son and, and now your little girl uh, with the same disease without becoming bitter and angry and jaded? Yeah, part of it is my experience uh, when I was younger and being able to bring some of that into our marriage and to kind of help us to see, hey, w this is going to be more of a struggle if we don't bring God into it. We're going to get lost in it. We're going to continue to bring it up. It's just, it's, we have this opportunity to invite God into it, to grow in our relationship with God, um, and to see his presence and graces through it that I learned oftentimes in a hard way as a, as when I was young that I was able to bring into this. Um, so that was part of it is just making intentional efforts to do that. We intentionally every night pray for Xavier and Rose 
uh, to be miraculously cured of the disease. Uh, we believe that they're not miraculously cured, but that prayer has led to many graces, such mm. as medication that stopped the progression or changed the disease, specifically for Rose. Uh, it's led towards uh, just a lot of graces and being able to see God's presence. The other piece that has been helpful for us is we've intentionally chosen not to be specifically private with this suffering. Mm. We've allowed others to be a part of it, uh, you know, our immediate friends in a deeper way, but even like our community with Focus, Focus has a beautiful community that I can send an email to, you know, over 800 missionaries asking for prayers uh, or the number of family or what social media has allowed us to be able to say, we would love prayers in this way. And we've seen blessings in our lives from it and we've seen others change because of it and so that's helped us to see and realize god's presence and help us to not be inward and just kind of keep it to ourselves and say why us why you know and look at it as this is unfair this is unjust instead saying this is an opportunity to rely more on god and that's what we're called to do as catholics but speaking of your family prayer um so real quick your kids and their ages xavier is Six and a half. This is a challenge. Thanks Sorry. for this. Yeah. Uh, Xavier, six They're your and kids. <laughs> for goodness sake. What? Uh, John, yes. Joe, yeah. what? Exactly. What's the name? Uh, yeah, I'm terrible at Colette calling them by five. different names. Colette is five. Uh, Avila is two. And Rose is nine months. At uh, last, literally last night, as part of family prayer, our Mercedes. Mercedes is eight years old. Just she's the youngest. I'm not going to it. but she <laughs> she was she thanked God that she was finally able to talk with Avila a little bit. Seriously? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Oh. I have no. I have to tell her that's that awesome. I talked to Avila's dad on the radio today. That's oh, awesome. I love that. so, yeah. I love that's that. awesome. Yeah, Colette and Avila are, are definitely more shy, and Xavier clearly grew up in a Newman Center and is. <laughs> Extremely social and loves talking to adults. <laughs> I We just have a, a minute and a half left. And if I may, I just want to share an experience of how you're, you're talking about how this has just changed people around you. It has changed me. I remember, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I was having a conversation with Carrie and some other women. And we said, what's been the greatest challenge of motherhood? And my, my response was, I feel like motherhood has been a mirror for me. Um, that's showing me all of my weaknesses and that kind of thing. And Carrie's response was the hardest part about motherhood has been seeing the suffering of children. And it was so convicting to me because while I was looking at myself, this could make me cry. While I was looking at myself, she was looking out and that's what suffering does. It just evokes love in the, in the eye of the beholder. And so, yeah, I just, Tony, thank you for your witness, um, in, in real life, but also sharing with it, uh, sharing, it's with us today. Um, it's really, yeah, it's a profound, a profound thing to just see your grace and peace. And um, yeah, it's really quite beautiful. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Tony. It's great to have you here today. Go Churchill Avenue. <laughs> Go Churchill. Jeez <laughs> so uh, after the break, we're going to kick off our next interview with a local Hall of Fame visit. And later it's time to honor our fathers. See who's getting those donuts. When you keep it right here, a real presence live. I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Emily Leadham. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 